Let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 13. We're going to talk about the cloud and the pillar of fire. Um, Exodus chapter 13. So the book of Exodus uh, is all about the Exodus of uh, God's chosen people as they uh, moved from Egypt. Uh, Egypt represents their old life as they walked their way to the promised land, uh, Canaan. And uh, they wandered around a lot in the wilderness. They were there for about 40 years. But talk about the cloud and the pillar of fire. So Exodus chapter 13, verse 20. Exodus 13 and verse 20. It says here, And they being God's chosen people, took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud and led them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And this here is just as they've left uh, their place of slavery and the Lord's leading them through uh, this uh, journey. And during the day, the Lord says there, the Lord went before them in a pillar of a cloud during the day and in the pillar of fire during night. And from a practical perspective, it was something that they could see. Okay, that's something visual that I can follow and I can... Uh, I know where I have to go because I know the Lord's in that pillar of the cloud or the pillar of the fire. And just to uh, add to that, go to uh, chapter 40, Exodus chapter 40, the last few words of the book of Exodus. Uh, many things happened uh, in the meantime. Um, so they're well and truly uh, camping in the wilderness, wandering through the wilderness at this point, Exodus chapter 40 and verse 33. It says, And he, being God, reared up the court... Sorry, no, he is Moses. Beg your pardon. And he, Moses, reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So this adds another element. Um, when they were camped at a place, uh, Moses and his helpers would set up uh, the tabernacle, which is the temple and the court and so forth, and people would uh, make their tents and to sleep in in this place. And if the cloud stayed over the temple during the day and the fire stayed over the temple during the night, that's where they stayed. But in the morning, if they saw the cloud lifted up from over that temple, then they would pack up all their belongings and they'd 
go and follow the cloud and the fire by night. Um, so it gave them clarity as to where they should be and where they should be going. And sometimes they, we can read elsewhere, they stayed in one place for a couple of days. Other times they stayed in one place for over a year. Uh, so it varied a lot. Uh, you can imagine how frustrating it'll be if um, you pitch your tent, get all your belongings all sorted out. You have no idea how long you're going to be there because at the other place you stayed a year and then you get up and, oh, okay, we've got to move. <laughs> but there's a type. There's a type in this. Not only is the cloud and the fire visible, very visible to um, hundreds of thousands of people, but this is a type of following God where he needs you to be. And regardless of how, um, how inconvenient it might be, because at the end of the day, he's guiding us through a wilderness to get to a promised land, a spiritual promised land. So we'll go through some elements of the cloud and the pillar of fire. We'll go back to uh, chapter 34, and we will get to the uh, New Testament. Because things written in the Old Testament, as it says, are a shadow of things to come. They're a type a type of New Testament things, and we live in the New Testament era now. So Exodus 34 and verse 4 says here, and uh, Moses um, went to meet the Lord on the top of Mount Sinai where he would receive the uh, Ten Commandments. So, uh, But we'll take it in verse 4, Exodus chapter 34 and verse 4. And he hewed two tables of stone, like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. So here's this cloud aspect. The, the Lord descended in the cloud. And we read before as well that the Lord was in that cloud, guiding the nation of Israel and in that pillar of fire. And here's an example of when Moses received the Ten Commandments. And a lot of us know that story, famous story of uh, the finger of God etched the Ten Commandments into these tables of stone. But the reason I went on to verse, verse 6, it says, the Lord found this as an opportunity to say to Moses, you know, the Lord God, he is merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. He's a patient God and abundant in goodness and truth. That's the God that we worship. They are good things. You know, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, Goodness and truth, they are good things. And this is the God that we worship. He wants good things in his people's lives. And it was the same back then when, the, when uh, this event happened as it is today because it's the same God. Um, over to uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. So if God does things, he does it out of graciousness, out of long-suffering, out of mercy, out of goodness and an abundance of truth. That's what he does. There's that bigger picture, a wonderful thing. So John chapter 10, 
We'll read some of uh, Jesus' words himself. A little bit of reading here. John chapter 10 and verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the, door, the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So this is Jesus Christ speaking himself. It says that he is the door, the door into the sheepfold where we are protection, but he's also the good shepherd. He's both. So in the instance that we read in Exodus, we had uh, this cloud and this pillar of fire and in them was the Lord, Lord God. But today, Jesus Christ is our shepherd, our guide. Okay, so Jesus Christ is our pillar of cloud and our pillar of fire for us to follow. And it says that if we follow Jesus Christ, it says in verse 9, um, he shall lead us to go in and out and find pasture. So he'll guide us for sustenance, guide us for, uh, for things that are important to us, um, you know, like uh, peace, sound mind, you know, uh, truth, uh, miracles, answers to prayer, so many things that are good. His grace. Grace means uh, favour that's given to someone where they didn't earn it. And, uh, and that's God to a T. We are saved by grace. We didn't earn it. We're human beings. We make mistakes. Uh, who are we compared to God? But by grace, we are led uh, to live uh, 
under the grace of the Lord, where we are are given favour where we didn't earn it. And so today we follow Jesus Christ. We follow uh, him as an example and we have the word here as well. But there are more elements to that, of course. Uh, Back to uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And verse 1. So the beginning words uh, of the gospel according to, uh, according to John. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and you can read that in uh, Genesis um, the creation story, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. He breathed out our life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So we have, we read before, this pillar of fire, and that's light, you know, uh, and the pillar of fire was to guide uh, God's chosen people, at night time, today we've got here the word was with God, the word was God, and it says further down that that word became flesh. Uh, verse 14, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that word that made flesh, and that flesh was Jesus Christ. So this word of God was made flesh, and it's that light that shines in darkness, like this pillar of fire in darkness. Uh, And that darkness uh, is not necessarily literal darkness, but it's spiritual darkness where there is no guidance. And, uh, And so through Jesus Christ, we have this guidance through the spiritual darkness. We'll add to that Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. It says here, Ye are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So how is it that those people that are following God following Jesus Christ, following his principles, following his commandments, how is it that they become then the light of the world? It says there that others may see your good works. Our good works was what we do. You know, we're referred to as our testimony, how we conduct ourselves. you know, and, uh, um, and how we are followers of God and that we, we can... Um, expound the scriptures, read the Bible and explain it to people. Now, I read the Bible before um, I came to the Revival Fellowship quite a bit. 
I couldn't believe what people were showing me in the Bible. I'd read it, but glazed straight over. There was no explanation for it. People need guidance uh, by those that are following God's commandments. It's the way it is. And uh, it's a humbling thing. And humility is so important in the kingdom of God. So us, we carry on um, showing our light uh, amongst others by our good works. And we heard in testimony, not the drinking and the smoking and the drug at, uh, taking and so forth, we lead a different life. God helps us do it, as he did uh, in those people that gave testimony. Um, but the only way we can be the light of this world is if we are following the light, <laughs> following that pillar of fire, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. The Lord doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to understand and to know, to be persuaded of his ways. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. That's a reference to the Red Sea. And they were all baptised unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And Jesus Christ is our rock, it's an immovable foundation. But here I chose this because that cloud also had another aspect. It says here that um, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, were baptised unto Moses in the cloud. Somehow that happened, that uh, it was like a baptism. And so this baptism in the cloud um, led these people through the wilderness. Now, we've heard in testimony, and I've spoken about the importance of baptism. So baptism is the beginning. Baptism uh, is the start of a new life following him, okay? So they weren't only uh, baptised under the cloud once, they were continually following the cloud. So baptism follows us throughout life. You know, uh, we don't go off and uh, do our own thing then, we continue following him. The baptism was the start of a new life following him. And uh, because he's a gracious God, he, uh, he wants to show his abundance of mercy and truth, that there are good things from that. Um, and so that's the symbolism that the cloud also had was a type of baptism in an Old Testament sense. John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and uh, verse 37. So John chapter 7 and verse 37, it says here, In the last day, that great day of the feast, 
That's an important word there. So here in Jerusalem, Jesus was part of a great feast. And what does a feast equal? It equals lots of food and lots of merriment and uh, lots of drink. Just a good, fun time. So in the last day, that great day of the feast, after a few days of eating and so forth and uh, having good time, Jesus stood up and cried uh, with emphasis, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now this other aspect I was thinking of, a cloud. A cloud uh, brings rain, which is water. And so Jesus here saying to all these people who have full bellies, and in the natural they don't thirst, and he says, look, if any, any person thirsts, wants to know the truth, then come to me. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Okay? And then it, the explanation, praise the Lord for this explanation. He spoke about the Holy Spirit. And that's that other element I was referring to before. The Holy Spirit, such an important element. The Holy Spirit is what people will receive. And it makes this clarification the Holy Ghost was not yet given. And the reason wasn't given was because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, and we'll read uh, the scriptures later. So the Holy Spirit was poured out upon people to dwell within a people later. And, um, and we'll read about that. So this aspect, again, that I've, that's been introduced is the Spirit. This Spirit uh, is like the cloud, uh, the rivers of living water to guide us. You know, and it's through the, uh, the Holy Spirit helping us that we become lights of the world uh, as we follow Jesus Christ being the light of the world. So over to Acts chapter 1. And verse 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treaties have I made. That's a reference to the book of Luke. O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. And you can read that in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. An outline uh, of what Jesus did and what he spoke about and what he taught Verse 2, but then it says, until the day in which he was taken up. And that's a reference to that him being glorified. When he was taken up, being glorified after that point, that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, uh, his, his death, by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He continued to teach and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. For John truly baptised with water, but ye shall be baptised with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. A promise. Uh, John the Baptist was baptising, he baptised Jesus Christ himself. Yes, that was a baptism with water, 
But Jesus is saying, I want you to look forward to a future baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They couldn't help talking about politics. <laughs> People love talking about politics, even back then. Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven." Then, they ret then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So Jesus was taken up. You can imagine what it looked like. Jesus was taken up, and it says there, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So there's another reference to the cloud that uh, received uh, Jesus out of their sight. So there's a cloud there. Um, but here, a wonderful little passage of Jesus' last words to his followers. Jesus spoke a lot of things, did a lot of things, and you'd think the last words he spoke, grab hold of them, they're important, before he gets uh, raised up and, uh, and dwells on the right hand of God, um, before he's been uh, glorified. And he's saying, look, you must receive the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. This power, wonderful power, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, this power that comes uh, from the light of the world and will make you the light of the world. You know, it's like a baptism receiving this Holy Ghost. And so these followers of Jesus at this time, there are about 120, and they were seeking for this Holy Ghost for a week, praying, wondering what it's all about. And then chapter 2 and verse 1, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so Pentecost, that's 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. So this Holy Ghost and fire, this pillar of fire was here, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There it is in the Bible. It actually repeats it two more times in the book of Acts. When people received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. But this is the first time in history that people received the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. That reference before in John 7 of uh, the Holy Ghost, those uh, out of the belly will flow rivers of living water after that Jesus is glorified. This is just after Jesus was glorified. And rivers of living water flowed out of these people, out of their bellies, and they spoke in tongues. 
an amazing spectacle. About 120 people speaking in tongues for the first time. And uh, there were people around that witnessed it and, uh, and were wondering what on earth it's all about. Why is this happening? And, and Peter stands up full of the Holy Ghost, inspired by the Holy Ghost, um, and explained it all. Like in his mind, it's all coming together, all coming together so well. All those uh, three and a half years of spending time with Jesus Christ, all the wondering what's going on and uh, battling in his, uh, in his own mind what it's all about. And here, full of the Holy Ghost, he spoke in tongues. He was completely with confidence to explain what it was all about. And, uh, and he, he goes through and he quotes some, uh, at, um, uh, like, uh, what seem like insignificant scriptures, but they come alive about uh, the prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he explains this to the others that are around. And it says in verse 37, Now when they who were listening to Peter heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Good question. What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38 For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. The promise is unto all of us, uh, uh, as many as the Lord shall call. And we heard in testimony of people receiving the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. It happens today still happens, and it will continue to happen until Jesus Christ returns. Go back to uh, Exodus 19, just a little side. Exodus 19 and verse 16. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 16, just one verse here. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. So this here is on uh, Mount Sinai again with Moses. But these aspects of all this noise, thunders, lightnings, there's the thick cloud again. So God was in that thick cloud. But with the, I just want to grab this little aspect of thunders and lightnings that happened back there as a type. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is the penultimate scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So there'll be a great uh, thundering and so forth and uh, a great noise when Jesus Christ comes back and we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. It says that uh, those that are alive will be caught up, but, but also those that are dead, that passed away through history, will also be uh, raised. The dead in Christ shall be ri- risen first, and then those which are alive uh, when Jesus comes back. So whoever follows the Lord will be raised up. And it says, comfort one another with these words. And what a great comfort that is to know that, that this is a fact Regardless of how we feel or how we think, we can grab hold of these facts. Last scripture, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 and verse 22. Luke 17 and verse 22. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. It's kind of saying, well, these people, these disciples, uh, desiring to see the return of Jesus Christ. He's saying, no, you won't see it because you'll fall asleep. Okay, you'll see it later. Verse 23, and they shall say to you, see here or see there, go, go not after them nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth, lighteneth out of one part under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day, in his great return. It'll be obvious, a huge, just like lightning. We can see lightning, it's so far away, uh, it shines right across the sky. And it's like when Jesus returns, there'll be no mistake. It's saying, look, don't follow these other people who claim to, uh, to, to be Jesus uh, or claim to, uh, to be followers of Jesus and yet they ignore fundamental principles because it's obvious when Jesus comes back that you will be baptised uh, with the Holy Ghost and with fire, uh, ha- receiving that Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. You'll have the light of the world in you, dwelling in you, Christ in you, as it says elsewhere. And, uh, and we can continue to follow the Good Shepherd the good guide through this spiritual wilderness, which is the world that we uh, they live in today.